and welcome everyone. We are back. It is the new and improved BAMS Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Drew DeArmond, along uh, with Thomas Watts, the wizard who will be producing, uh, also be taking part uh, in our show throughout Alabama's football season. Uh, we are glad to be back with you. Uh, we enjoyed the interaction on Twitter and everyone requesting when BAMS Radio was going to be back with us. And of course, uh, our third amigo is back as well. Uh, he's a 1992 national champion. He's uh, featured on my show Talking Ball quite a bit as well uh, during uh, during uh, the uh, uh, football season and really throughout uh, the uh, since Alabama football is a year-round uh, topic. Uh, he is a featured guest on my show in Huntsville, Alabama, quite often, and that is of course uh, William Redfish Barger, who played at Alabama from 1989 to 1993. William, uh, welcome back to BAMS Radio with Thomas Watson, myself. How you doing tonight? Doing great, guys. Good to be back with you. And uh, William, I guess uh, for the first thing I wanted to kind of go through is uh, we'll take a look back at the game against Florida State, and uh, I was going to kind of go through, you know, kind of what I graded the Tide in my opinion uh, for, uh, in all three phases of the game, and kind of get your take on everything because I know you watched the game very closely. But a twenty-four to seven win for Alabama over the Florida State Seminoles, and uh, what was a much hyped matchup, one versus three. Uh, you know, I'm not quite sure that it lived up to it because the game ended up being a defensive grinded out battle. I wasn't really surprised by that. I had the game 31-13, and I know on my radio program in Huntsville you had it 31-17. Alabama took control of it and really won the game via special teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of expected a little bit more scoring on on you know both off, off excuse me on both sides of the ball. Um, you know. Florida State offensively, Alabama offensively, but, um, you know, both defenses, I think, um, you know, contributed to, you know, somewhat of a low-scoring affair. I mean, you know, when you, when you factor in Alabama's special teams, um, you know, what they were able to do, you know, create turnovers, um, you know. And, again, I think it could have been, you know, a lot closer on Alabama's side, to, you know, the 31-point total that we both set. Um, you know, some things had worked out, some better execution. Um, you know, one untimely penalty, I think, uh, led to, you know, a possible score, led to a non-possible scoring drive and, you know, of course, the two missed field goals. But, but overall, um, yeah, I wasn't really too surprised. Um, I, I guess really I was, you know, to a certain extent. I thought Florida State um, would be able to generate more points than they did. Um, you know, you got to tip your hat to, uh, to Jeremy Pruitt you know, with the defensive game plan that he put into place. Um you know, I think they just, you know, kind of choked the life out of Florida State's offense. You hate to see, you know, them lose their quarterback for the year. I think he's a really good player. Uh, but, you know, it's a, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, Jimbo Fisher's having to hit the, the restart button now and, and go with the freshman quarterback. Um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of their season plays out. You know, you got to kind of, all the people that, you know, were expecting them to, walk through the ACC or, you know, probably second-guessing that pick, um, you know, this week after the way that game ended with that unfortunate injury. But, you know, Alabama came out of it, um, you know, with some significant injuries on, on their side too, you know, all of it on the defensive side of the ball. They, you know, they lost both their best pass rushers and Terrell Lewis and Christian Miller and, you know, Anthony Jennings and, and Rashawn Evans are out probably for a couple of weeks at least. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a it was a tough physical matchup. Um, yeah, I think it was a great way to open college football, and uh, you know you, you want to see these type of season openers continue. And William, uh, I know Alabama in 2012 when they went on to repeat as national champions, they lost you know about five to six guys uh, via the injury bug. Uh, uh, you're, we remember DeAndre White, Chris Black. Uh, you know, Nudie Fowler. All, they lost several guys uh, to uh, to uh, season-ending injuries, uh, Jarek Williams. But they were able to overcome those, and a lot of those were spaced out. I don't think I, I could ever remember, especially one position group, being as decimated by injury as linebacker was following this win over Florida State. What are you kind of expecting to see from a from a personnel standpoint out of this Alabama defense uh, going forward for the next few weeks, starting with Fresno State Saturday at two thirty? Well, you know, you can already kind of see the direction that they're going in by 
you know, working Deshaun Hand a little bit at the Jack linebacker spot. I mean, he's, you know, got the skill set, obviously, you know, similar in size to, uh, you know, Anthony King's the, the starting Jack linebacker. And, uh, you know, they're going to look at some guys there. I expect to see possibly um, Dylan Mose to look at, at one of the outside linebacker spots. Obviously, you know, Chris Allen is going to get some, some reps. Um you know, if you look at the end of the game, and I thought he played really well, I wasn't expecting to see him, uh, you know, play as well as he did the last four or five snaps of the game. But, you know, Makai Brown, um, you know, came in last drive and, and did really well at the point of attack, uh, made a tackle. Um, so, you know, they've got the bodies. I mean, if, if, if Alabama could afford to, you know, lose four players at the same position group, um, linebacker was certainly the, the – you'd much better see that happen at linebacker versus the defensive line. Uh, but, you know, they've got some good, you know, highly rated young players. They just don't have a lot of game experience. So, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I'm sure uh, Coach Pruitt, Coach Saban have a plan in place. I think that's one of the, you know, benefits of Tosh LePoy since he's taken over um, as the outside linebackers coach, you know, forcing – all the guys to learn both the Sam and the Jack linebacker uh, position at the same time. There really aren't any, you know, specialists anymore out there. Um, they have to learn both sides equally. So I think that's going to play a benefit as well. And, and, you know, one guy that was really generating a lot of noise and wasn't able to really have a full fall camp. Um, but I think if he can get totally healthy, you might see him factor in. Um, and Vandarius Cowan, you know, he just got a back, lower back injury um, in fall camp, and it would keep him out of practice for two or three days. He'd practice for a day or two and, and re-aggravate it. But he was a, a young guy, um, you know, a, a freshman that was turning a lot of heads. Um, you know, you could see him factor in as well if he could get healthy. And, uh, William, uh, as far as uh, the starting lineup Saturday uh, against Fresno and Bryant-Denny Stadium, uh, you know, my first take was that Jamie Mosley would be the starter at Sam, and I haven't changed. We, we might have just lost Drew Fish. He's, I, know okay. he's been, I know he's been having some technical stuff, but uh, I can pick up for that while Drew kind of fixes his equipment. We're going to have to tap dance a touch. But, uh, you, you know, starting Sam linebacker, we have Jamie Mosley. But, you know, who else do you see coming up there? Just kind of because of the cross-training, you'll see a plug-and-play because obviously with, I believe the line is Alabama by 45, something like that. Do you just see a plug-and-play going uh, go in there to see what works in, in terms of personnel groups? Well, you know, at the Sam spot, I think that's where you could possibly see Dylan Moses. Um, you know, get involved. He he played there a lot in the spring and did very well. Um, and I thought he played well um, with the limited amount of reps that he got Saturday on defense and, and special teams-wise. Um, you know, he's a guy that could factor in over there. Now, you know, when you look at the way the game ended, you know, Jamie Mosley was at Sam and Makai Brown was at Jack. So, you know, obviously both of those guys are going to be involved. Um, like you said, I think Mosley probably will be the guy at Sam to start things off with. But, you know, they've got the luxury of, you know, over the next three weeks to, you know, find the two best guys um, for that spot. I think you'll see a lot of guys, you know, get reps there, um, you know, over the next three games. And, you know, what I think will probably happen is by the time Old Miss rolls around, um, I think you'll see either Keith Holcomb, or uh, uh, Mac Wilson, um, you know, come in and play that inside linebacker spot um, when they're in the 4-2 package. You'll probably see Rashawn Evans um, either slide out to Sam or Jack and be that guy, um, you know, in, in, in passing situations when they're, they're in their 4-2 look or the rabbit look on third and long. You know, he's a proven commodity as an edge rusher, and I think, you know, both Holcomb and, and Mac Wilson, I think, have shown that they're ready to come in and, you know, play that inside linebacker spot opposite of Sean Dion Hamilton. So, and again, I really hope that, um, you know, a, a pulled growing muscle is something that takes a long time to heal. And uh, I really don't think there's a need for Rashawn to, uh, uh, you know, play a whole lot until they play Ole Miss. You know, maybe you give them some reps the week before. Uh, but, you know, that's something that you, you need to really – uh, be careful with because if you push somebody to come back too quickly with it, 
you know, it's something that can be nagging and affect you for the rest of the season. But, you know, they've got plenty of bodies, Thomas, plenty of quality players um, that they can look at and address and, and see who the, the two best ones are. I think where, you know, and I don't think it's that big of an issue when they're in their base 3-4 package on first and 10, second and short, third and short. You know, they've got those guys where they have to be really, I think, you know, kind of finicky and in particular about is, you know, Terrell Hall and Christian Miller were obviously the two best edge rushers um, on the team or they wouldn't have been the two rabbit guys, um, you know, in that package. So that that's where you'll have to look and see, you know, this Saturday, next Saturday, the Saturday after that, um, is can they replicate the amount of pressure and affecting the quarterback um, that those two guys were able to generate versus Florida State. And do you expect Alabama to be forced into more blitzing situations because, you know, now we're kind of kicking down the depth chart? Or, or is it just because I didn't think that the uh, Alabama defense did a great job generating organic pressure with just four. Do you just see more blitzes to sort of counteract that? Because I thought the Bama secondary, even with, you know, now the brief loss of Hootie Jones, had a fairly solid game. You know, DeAndre Francois particularly had a lot of trouble reading the Bama zone, but do you see more blitzes coming out of this defense to kind of counteract the, uh, what we'll, let's call it the depletion of edge rushers? Well, and I think you bring up a great point. If, you know, if there was only one negative and, and, and maybe something that surprised me the most, you know, especially with all the talk and buildup uh, prior to the game and, you know, the well-documented struggles of the Florida State offensive line last year, I was kind of surprised that they struggled, like you just said, Thomas, to generate, you know, a pass rush with just four guys. Um, you know, it really wasn't until, you know, Pruitt started dialing up blitzes um, that things got hairy for DeAndre Francois. So, you know, that that to me is going to be the most problematic thing going forward. If, you know, if you weren't able to do it consistently, you know, with two proven pass rushers and Christian Miller and, and Terrell Lewis, um, and if I call him Trail Hall one or two times, don't don't hold it against me. I'm still trying to get adjusted to the the midsummer name change. Um, but I think that's probably something they need to spend a lot of time, you know, self scouting. Is you know why did that happen? I, I really felt like, and again, when when you look at the numbers, I think they, you know, pressured or affected or sacked the quarterback like nine times um, Saturday night. But you know it. it you know, Francois and his receivers got into a groove a couple of times. You know, had that one really good, uh, you know, drive for a touchdown. And, you know, they kind of had some things. Um, they were never able to, to generate any explosive plays with deep balls. But they were able to be successful with those, you know, 15 to 20-yard passes to the hash marks and over the middle to the tight end, um, you know, prior to you know, Pruitt starting to dial up those blitzes and, and you know, getting Francois flustered, making him move around in the pocket. And, you know, that's kind of when things started going south for Florida State's offense. But um, that, that to me, you know, you, 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 you just go back and you look at maybe um, what the, the main thing that you saw that surprised you, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, what you brought up, you know, first in this, this podcast was, you know, I, I was expecting to see them, you know, especially after what I saw um, in fall camp, you know, with my own two eyes. Um, I was expecting them to be able to generate a, a pretty good pass rush with just four people. And, you know, that just didn't manifest itself Saturday night. It certainly did not. And you, can, I, it's a small thing because, like you said, DeAndre Francois was still very harassed once Alabama adjusted, you know, multiple hits. You know, it wasn't – it was, you know, Ronnie Harrison knocking Francois out at the end with that unfortunate injury. But Tony Brown had a decleat shot. Deshaun Hand had a decleat shot. I mean, they, they were big hits that were being lowered on the young man once Alabama started to get in the, just get into the pocket and get into the backfield. Excuse me, with four and five or five and six guys. But you know, the one injury that we didn't really talk about on defense is to Hootie Jones. You know, we talked about the pass rushers, the outside linebackers, and I can tell. I'll give you a little funny story, Redfish. Uh, our good, our mutual friend Murph Baldwin. Uh, was really pushed Xavier McKinney because they, they obviously two guys from Georgia they have a pre-existing relationship there and uh, he when I mentioned to Murph that Xavier McKinney might get a look be, to take over for Hootie Jones in the short term 
he uh, let's just say he was very happy on the other show that I do. But with Hootie Jones being out a couple of weeks, you know, who's the next man up in your estimation to take over that position? You know, in the in you know, on the base defense on first and ten, second and short, third and short, um, you might see them go, you know, more with a with a more proven guy, more veteran guy, Deontay Thompson. But Xavier McKinney had a very good fall camp at the scrimmage that I was at. Um, he actually had an interception and looked very comfortable in pass coverage. But but he's not, you know, a big-bodied safety. He's got more of a cornerback body type right now. Obviously, he's a true freshman. Um, hadn't had a lot of time in the strength and conditioning program. But as far as just, you know, being back there playing center field and coverage, um, I felt like he did a very good job in fall camp, as did, um, you know, the other true freshman safety, Daniel Wright. Uh, but, but I think, you know, probably um, – in 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 the base defense, especially you know they're not going to play a you know a really downhill running team for quite some time. Um, you know, I've even kind of marked Arkansas off the list. I think with their with their quarterback Austin Allen. You know, if you look at what they did, you know, versus Alabama last year, they threw the ball forty plus times. So I don't even consider them a downhill running team anymore when you've got a quarterback like that. Um, you know, you might see a Deontay Thompson back there. You might see a, a bigger body guy like Shaheen Carter. Uh, but I think that's the great thing about, you know, the game Saturday is, you know, we're going to get a, you know, a sneak peek at, at where they're going and what direction and the players that they're looking at. And, you know, the safety position for them is, is markedly different than the depth at corner. Um, they've got a lot of guys back there that they really like. And, uh, you know, they can, you know, rotate in and out and get a feel for, you know, who possibly is that that, that guy that they want to, you know, roll into, uh, you know, the old Miss game with. Um, you know, there's just much more depth and, and much more, um, you know, quality players at, at the, safe, the two safety positions. You might even see Tony Brown back there, um, you know, in certain sets. I mean, he's he's got you know more of a linebacker build than he does a, a DB build, um, but you know I would you don't ever want to say you'd rather see this guy get hurt than that guy, but if, if there had to be a a DB position that suffered a loss, it, it's much better um, you know to see it at the safety spot versus a corner. Yeah, that's very true. Alabama has recruited that position very, very well over the past couple of cycles. But, you know, let, let's shift to the other side of the ball. You know, obviously you played offensive line. So a lot of the stories that you've heard coming out, you know, there's let's just call it some fan angst about the offense, quite frankly, getting stuck in the mud. And, you know, part of that comes in on the offensive line. I think it, I think it's one of those a little of column A, a little of column B, a little of column C as to why. But, you know, when you look at Alabama's offense as a whole, you know, what did you – what was your impression of that group coming out of the Florida State game? You know, as far as the offensive line goes, um, you know, I, I felt like they, they struggled. You know, I don't know if it was um, – you know, communication issues. Um, you know, you had, you know, basically, you know, a, a new starter at right tackle. You know, you had Jonah Williams playing a new position at left tackle. Um, you know, Florida State, you know, I, I got to give my, give them credit. I, I undervalued, um, especially their front seven people, um, probably a little bit more than I should have going into the game. You know, at the end of the day, you know, if you can generate 175 yards rushing, um, when, when somebody's stacking the box like they were with, you know, six, seven, eight people up there, um, the offensive line's done a pretty good job, and so has the running backs. But, you know, I just think that, you know, they did a, they did some very good things as far as blitzes. Um, you know, they, they disguised them well. They executed them well. Um, you know, and let's be honest, I mean, they've got, and I'm not saying all these guys are draft eligible, you know, for next May's draft, but, you know, you start talking about Josh Sweat, uh, Nandy, the defensive tackle, Brian Burns, the other, you know, the two defensive ends, uh, Matthew Thomas, you know, I, you know, some people think Derwin James is going to be one of the, the first five guys taken. Um, 
the cornerback, I think his last name's McFadden. I mean, they've got potentially four or five first-rounders, you know, on that defense. So, you know, it, it was a better defensive unit than what I was expecting to see. Um, but at the same time, I think you have to kind of put it into perspective with what went on. And, you know, once that punt was blocked, I think once Coach Saban saw that the defense was starting to choke Florida State's offense out, you could see in the second half, um, you know, where, where you know, things were shut down and Coach Saban said, you know, start running the ball. And I think, Thomas, that's been the most um, surprising thing to me from the fan base since the game was over with. You know, all you heard for the last three years was, you know, Alabama fans complaining and bitching about Wayne Kiffin, you know, being too cute and not running the ball enough and, you know, you know, Coach Saban's famous quote, you know, run the damn ball lane. And, you know, the new offensive coordinator goes out there and runs the ball 42 times, and the fan base is pissed off because the offense wasn't some sort of uh, touchdown scoring juggernaut. And, you know, I think that's a, a calculated direction um, that Coach Saban has gone in, um, you know, since there was a change made at the offensive coordinator position. I think he wanted to get back to, you know, playing ball control and, and, you know, establishing a running game and, and, you know, you know, grinding, you know, other teams' defenses down. And, you know, really the only complaint that I would file against, you know, Brian Dayball slash Nick Saban, because he is the, you know, the co-offensive coordinator was, you know, I think, and I understand this is a double-edged sword. Um, you know, personally, I wish they would have done a better job of recognizing Saturday night and Harris was the hot hand at running back and, and giving him more touch. But as soon as I finish that sentence, I have to follow that up with, but you've got so many talented running backs, you've got to get them all touches to keep them happy, or you'll find yourself in the same situation they were uh, two years ago where Alvin Kamara left and um, Tyron Jones left and, you know, B.J. Ammons just left over the summer, you know, probably for the same reasons, you know, not enough touches. But, you know, that that's a, a juggling act that, you know, Coach Saban's being paid uh, $11 million this year to figure out, and Brian Dayball's being paid you know, over a million dollars to figure out. But I personally didn't have um, a big problem with, with the offensive game plan, um, you know, just because I was able to recognize and see what they were trying to do and once I think the odds started tipping over into their favor, you know, it's really no different than, you know, what, what they would do under Jim McElwain or even Doug Nussmeyer, you know, during the, the A.J. McCarron, you know, days of, you know, we're, we don't care if we only throw the ball 18 times. We're fixing to run it down your throat. And, Fish, you know, it's funny. We're doing this not live, but we lost Drew. And I was able to help Drew get his equipment back because we just kept going. Drew's with us. Drew, we, we, we kind of moved the offense a little bit, but, you know, go ahead and take back over. This is uh, – you're the radio guy. I just make the buttons – push the buttons in the background. <laughs> well, thank you, Thomas. I appreciate it, and sorry about that. Uh, but uh, I, I want – what I was asking you, William, before I dropped off is, uh, you know, I, I was impressed, uh, you know, in the second scrimmage, and I know you went to the first with Makai Brown because – He's a guy that I'd kind of not really thought too much about and uh, no, and almost, I guess, written off in a way that he was just going to be a program guy if he stayed uh, at Alabama and maybe be a special teams guy and a, a and, and, and not uh, be a big contributor defensively. But I remember sending you a message uh, that, uh, that he uh, had a nice second scrimmage. He beat Jonah Williams for a sack, and I've kind of changed my tune because – you know, when uh, the injuries first happened, my first thought process was that Dylan Moses would start at Jack uh, because he was a, a guy that enrolled early, had impressed them. I know he had, they had had him in the plans as a rabbit rusher. He's got very good speed. But the more I thought about it, Coach Saban is so big on uh, knowledge and, and trust. You know, and Makai Brown, while he hasn't played a lot, as you said, you thought he looked good at the end of the Florida State game, and he's been in the system three years. So my, my thoughts now are that when we uh, watch the game against Fresno State, 
coming up on Saturday that we'll see Jamie Mosley, the brother of C.J. Mosley, the former walk-on at Sam, and Makai Brown at Jack. Do you agree with that, or what kind of lineup do you think we might see at linebacker? No, I, I agree with it. Now, you know, I would, I would, uh, you know, suggest that that Alabama fans really go back and watch that last defensive series in the ball game. You know, I thought both Jamie Mosley and Makai Brown did a great job of you know, controlling their blockers in front of them that were trying to block them. You know, they held the point of attack. Makai Brown had a tackle. Jamie Mosley had a tackle. Um, I was very impressed. You know, you have to, you know, kind of say this with a grain of salt. Let's let's be totally honest in that last drive. I'm sure uh, the guys that were tasked with blocking them um, weren't exactly all that motivated because they knew mm-hmm. the game was over with. But still, um, you know, they, they won um, all, I think, four reps that they were in the game on and I was very impressed with both of them and I agree with you I think you know you have to kind of filter through this and look at um you know who they're playing this Saturday you know Fresno State is is not a pro style offense um you know and and you know Tedford is a, a master play caller that's a quarterback guru and I think everybody has kind of figured out you know, the recipe, if you want to even have a chance to compete against Alabama, you know, that, well, let's, you know, hit the rewind button for a second. All we heard all summer was that, you know, Cam Akers was going to run wild, um, you know, in this game on Saturday night. And I, I certainly didn't think that was possible. You know, if you go back and you look, you know, during Coach Saban's tenure, um, really outside of the 2013 Auburn game, um, or the 2014 Ohio State game, you know, teams have just not had a lot of success, you know, lining up in a pro-style offense with a tight end, you know, even with a fullback, you know, um, and, and, and having successful having success against uh, Alabama running the football. And, you know, I, I even, I think, said this on your radio show, um, Drew, several times, that I felt like the more – times that Jimbo Fisher tried to run the football that was going to lessen his chances of being successful against Alabama. I thought the, you know, the best game plan for them, you know, uh, with a healthy Francois was to come out and try and throw the football 40 times. Um, you know, I think that's been proven to be the, the only chance people have of having success um, you know, against this, you know, Nick Saban, Jeremy Pruitt defense, what it is currently. Um, you know, if, if LSU and Leonard Fournette for three years, um, you know, c- couldn't generate a successful running game, I don't know why Jimbo Fisher thought he could with that offensive line and basically a converted uh, jumbo running back that doesn't have breakaway speed. He's probably closer to a fullback skill set and Jacquez Patrick, um, and you saw how quickly Patrick exited the game and Cam Akers came in. And, and, you know, for a guy that, you know, his first, you know, big-time college football game, Akers ran the ball hard. He had a couple of explosive plays. But I just think that if you're a, a legitimate, you know, sound, fundamental offensive coordinator, whether you are the OC or the head coach, you know, you're going to look at what people have done and had success, you know, versus this, you know, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt defense. And, you know, I think the recipe is there for everybody. If you've got the quarterback and the wide receivers to pull it off, you know, you go back to the to the Utah Sugar Bowl game. Um, you know, you go back to uh, the Oklahoma Sugar Bowl game. Um, you know, it's throwing the football down the field, um, you know, I think Ole Miss probably did the best job of it consistently with back shoulder throws, um, you know, 15 to 20 yards over the middle or out there towards the hash marks. You know, it's there for the taking if you've got the quarterback and the wide receivers to pull it off. But not everybody has that. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, what do you make of uh, Deshaun Hand? I know you talked about he had the athleticism and LeBron Ray getting a look at uh, Jack linebacker in practice. Uh, my take on it was I think part of it was a contingency plan, uh, just in case they have more injuries. Of course, th- that would be you know pretty catastrophic if it continued to uh, ravage the linebacker core. But also probably it may be a little bit situational 
uh, in the future, especially against uh, teams like Arkansas, even Auburn, uh, that, that, that they, they could use that kind of lineup to have a four-man front uh, and then uh, stop the run. What was your take on that? I feel the same way that you do. And then I think, you know, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that, um, you know, they feel pretty good. You know, the, I, I was, you know, I watched the game at my parents' house up in Tennessee. And, uh, you know, when Raekwon Davis had his, you know, that great sack that he had, I mean, it was just beautiful. I looked at my dad and I said, you know, playing, playing linebacker and defensive end in high school, um, I don't know if I was ever to generate was ever able to generate that kind of power and explosiveness uh, rushing the passer. And I said, this guy got shot, uh, you know, five days ago before he did that. And you know, I think his emergence is going to play a big part in, in what that, you know, that that front line defensive front seven formation looks like going forward. That that gives them some flexibility. Um, I think Josh Frazier's performance you know, gives them a little bit of flexibility. And, uh, you know, Isaiah Bugs. I mean, I think he's a guy that's, you know, on the cusp of being a, a full-time starter guy. He's just got to be able to put it together more on a consistent basis. So, you know, when you look at what, what they're doing with experimenting with hand, you know, going from being a five technique to a seven technique outside linebacker, you know, I've always felt like and told people, um, since Nick Saban's been at Alabama, you know, his Jack linebacker in, in the base three, four look is a lot more of a defensive end body mm. type than it is and skill set than it is, uh, an outside linebacker guy. You know, I think that you certainly saw that with, a, with, a, with Denzel Duvall for a couple of years, you know, they've had one guy that I think that had the skill set to do everything that you require. Um, out of a jack linebacker if you want a 3-4 scheme, and that was for the last two years with Ryan Anderson. You know, can hold the point of attack and make explosive plays versus the run, can rush the passer, and is athletic enough to drop into coverage. Um, There's just not a lot of opportunities, and when you look at the schedule and what these teams are going to bring to the table offensively, you know, I think you can get away with having a, a Deshaun Hand uh, playing Jack linebacker, he's a bigger, you know, body guy. I think he's up to 285 now. Um, you know, Jennings was, you know, in the low 270s before he got hurt. Um, you know, they've got a lot of options. Um, and I, I think it's going to be interesting. That's going to be the funnest part of the month of September, at least for me, is watching how Nick Saban and Jeremy Pruitt weeds their way through these next three games and tries to figure out who the best personnel is in, in certain down and distances. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, scheme this defense together. And do, do you think that uh, Jeremy Pruitt is going to be more creative and maybe blitz a little bit more, especially using the safeties? I mean, we saw what Ronnie Harrison did on the sack. I mean, it knocked, uh, you know, De- uh, DeAndre Francois out uh, for the season. Uh, we also saw Minka blitzing some. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we uh, and then another gr- uh, big time storyline in the game that I thought was, uh, and, and much like I talked about Anthony Averett uh, all last summer, and he broke out. Levi Wallace, uh, I know uh, Trevon Diggs kind of had some big eyes, made a couple of mental errors, and Levi got a chance to play. And uh, I've quite frankly thought he won the job and did an outstanding, uh, you know, just a job of coverage against FSU. Got He had the nice interception and the pass breakup, and we may see him with his uh, first uh, start on Saturday against Fresno State. But just talk about maybe Pruitt maybe being even more aggressive with a blitzing to kind of generate a pass rush, and then uh, also uh, Levi Wallace. Well, I think that, you know, that what's emerged over there at the, at the corner position opposite of Anthony Averett is, is a, a win-win um, for Dick Saban and Jeremy Pruitt. You know, they've got a guy that they've identified in Trayvon Diggs um, that they feel like is a future star um, at the cornerback position. But, you know, there, there's a you – know, and this is coming from somebody that probably played their, their best football coming off the bench as a backup as a redshirt freshman versus, you know, going out there and being a starter. And I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure that's involved with that. You know, when you're out there on that island, um, there's no place to hide. 
And I think having somebody like Levi Wallace, you know, it's a great story. It almost kind of reminds me, Drew, of Rashad Johnson 2.0, right. even though he was a safety. Uh, maybe the, the, the better uh, uh, the better comparison would be to, uh, oh, God, who was the, the, the guy that got abused in South Carolina, uh, the, 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 the corner from uh, Florida? Marquise Johnson? Maybe Marquise Johnson is the better comparison than Rashad Johnson. Uh, but, you know, having that, that comfort level over there when you've got somebody that, you know, you've seen, you know, Levi Wallace emerge, you know, that's going to take a lot of pressure off Trevon Diggs. I agree with you. I think you'll see Levi Wallace be the starter um, Saturday against Fresno State. But, you know, Diggs can come in. He doesn't have the pressure of, of being the starter. He can grow. He can learn and, and see things unfold and get used to, um, you know, how quickly things unfold and how, you know, get used to the game speed. And, you know, after you dropped off with the technical problems, Thomas and I were discussing, um, you know, with, with Hootie Jones going down, um, you know, that's a much better situation for, uh, you know, Derek Ainsley and Jeremy Pruitt losing a safety versus, you know, losing an Anthony Averett. Um, you know, at a corner spot. They've just got mm-hmm. a lot more bodies and a lot of depth there. So, you know, I think it's a good thing. And they've got, you know, three games to get their ducks in a row and figure out, um, you know, the right pieces to the puzzle, whether it's at Sam or Jack or, um, you know, I, I would personally like to see the uh, the rotation continue out there um, at the other corner spot with, with Wallace and Diggs. You know, and when you watch what, what Wallace was able to do, um, you know, Saturday night game, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of 2008 with a, uh, you know, kind of an underrated defensive end um, that, that Nick Saban was, you know, cussing the previous staff over for not redshirting. You know, he, Nick Saban felt like he could have produced a uh, second or third round draft pick out of Bobby Greenwood. Yeah, I thought about him. one more year with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at what Wallace did Saturday night and you kind of feel the same way, man. I wish that guy had one more year. <laughs> yeah, you really do. And then and then safety-wise, if we if Hootie Jones is out for a length of time, do you think we're going to see Deontay Thompson? I, I think you're going to see Deontay Thompson, Drew. I think you're going to see possibly Xavier McKinney. Um, you know, maybe, um, you know, if they do come across a team that they think, you know, as a run thread on first and ten, second and short, third and short, you know, you might even see Shane Carter, um, you know, get an opportunity back there. Mm. But like like uh, Thomas and I were talking about after you dropped off, um, they were very impressed with Deontay Thompson, um, Xavier McKinney, and even Daniel Wright's work in fall camp. You know, they, uh, you know, uh, McKinney and Wright, you know, or, or guys that, you know, probably did better in coverage, you know, during fall camp because of their body types. They, they're built more like corners right now um, than they are, you know, the, the big guys like, uh, you know, Hootie Jones. And, and also, too, you know, depending on the down and distance and, and the type of team that they're playing, it wouldn't surprise me to see Tony Brown back there either. Yeah, exactly. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of mix and match it. And when Rashawn Evans comes back, do you, do you still expect him to play uh, uh, at will linebacker and then slide outside to pass rush on third down, or do you think we might see him some uh, at, at either Jack or Sam more in the base? I, I think what you just said, I've, I've talked to Thomas about this while you were off. I think that's exactly what you'll see is Rashawn lined up, you know, when they're in their base 3-4 on, on first and 10, second and short, third and short. I think you'll see him lined up next to Sean Dion. But when it's, you know, they go to their 4-2 package or they go to their rabbit package, I expect to see either Keith Holcomb or Mac Wilson come in and play that inside linebacker spot, you know, next to uh, Sean Dion, and I expect to see Rashawn Evans slide out and become an edge rusher. He's he's too good and too proven a commodity uh, with what's happened with the injuries not to put him out there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, and now to go back and uh, kind of what I was going to uh, look back and uh, ask you as far as the grades of this team uh, against Florida State. Uh, you know, when when someone asked me right after the game, 
I, I was uh, offensively. I know Brian Dable's taking some criticism, but I think it's kind of been uh, overblown uh, because of the quality of defense they played against. Uh, I do think that, that they need to be more creative, and they will. But they were playing against a defense with you know three future first rounders and Naughty, uh, you know Tavares McFadden, uh, and, and then uh, and, and Derwin James, they, they, and then Brian Burns also is probably a future first rounder, but. Also, uh, I think some, some uh, people have Josh. I'm not saying I agree, but some people right. have Josh Sweat slated mm-hmm. as a first rounder too. Right, he, and he's another one that flashed in the game. I, I was more along the lines because they didn't turn the football over uh, and because they did rush for 173 yards. I thought going into the game they could rush for 200 plus. I thought Scarborough would be a bigger uh, factor, but quite frankly, uh, Florida State was uh, better against the run than I anticipated. I would give the uh, grade of the offense a B minus. Uh, you know, I think they've got to generate more explosive plays and get other receivers involved. But I thought Jalen took care of the football. You know, I thought there was two or three times maybe that he, you know, bailed out a little too quick. But at the same time, uh, you know, if you you made a great point. If Ruggs catches that long touchdown pass, which is a very well thrown ball, uh, if they don't get the holding penalty and that uh, that that potential throw uh, to Calvin Ridley is a seventy plus yard TD, uh, and then also if they had a, a completion to Jerry Judy that was would have been past midfield. Uh, called back, which was about a 20, 20, 24-yard, 25-yard gain, uh, then it, then it's a completely different story. So I, I can give the offense a B-minus. I know they've got some areas to improve on. What was your thoughts overall on uh, their performance as a unit? Um, I totally agree with everything that you just said. You know, I think what um, a lot of Alabama fans are, you know, up in arms about the, the quarterback play. You know, go back and, and look at, um, you know, the 2009 season. You know, there was a stretch from the Kentucky game all the way through the Tennessee game uh, where Greg McElroy in 2009 um, had at least, I think it was four, it might have been five games. I know he had seven games mm-hmm. in 2009 where he was less than a 60% passer. Oh, no question. Uh, you know. There were people in, in 2011, you know, A.J. McCarron is a, is a redshirt sophomore um, that blamed him for the, the first loss to LSU. And if you take away, uh, you know, the two, uh, the, the two passes to Kevin Norwood, you know, he, he threw for, I think, 250 yards and probably uh, 75 of those was to those two passes to Kevin Norwood, you know, zero touchdowns. Really the only difference between the first game and the second game, uh, I think the first game he threw for like 198 yards, but he had that, you know, that crucial interception. Um, you know, are there things that Jalen Hurts needs to get better at? Absolutely. But I think what you have to put into perspective is, how much of a different quarterback they're asking him to be this year mm-hmm. versus what he was in high school. You know, he was a zone read RPO one read quarterback in high school, you know, that generated 250 yards passing and two touchdowns and 150 yards rushing and two touchdowns every single week. Um, you know, we heard the same rhetoric from the fan base in 2014, Drew. Um, you know, people were pissed off that Blake Sims, you know, was throwing bubble screens to Amari Cooper 10 times a game. And then you've got Derrick Henry behind him, uh, who ended up winning the Heisman. And remember, you had all the people bitching about, you know, O.J. Howard not being targeted more. Well, if you're targeting Amari Cooper, 10 to 15 times a game, and Derrick Henry's getting, you know, 25 to 30 touches a game. There's not a lot of offensive reps or touches left over for O.J. Howard. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, did Joe Montana target Jerry Rice too much? Did Troy Aikman target Michael Irvin too much? You know, there's no sin in targeting Calvin Ridley too much if he's your best wide receiver. You know, certainly I understand, you know, you want to distribute the ball. You want to get the tight ends more involved. Um, you know, I'll make this point. You know, um, if Bo Scarborough on that, that swing pass that they threw to him on the left flat, you know, if he's able to make – and it was a great play by the, the outside linebacker by Florida State. You know, if he's able to make that one guy miss, 
he goes for a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, same play was dialed up with Damian Harris, and the pressure was too much um, to get him the ball. But the, the two things that I saw out of the offense that I will kind of put on day ball that I think needs to improve, um, do a better job of recognizing, you know, which running back has the hot hand for that particular day. It was obvious that Damian Harris was that guy Saturday night. And if you do get, you know, the kind of pressure and, and blitzes that you saw out of Florida State, you know, there's screen passes and, and, you know, that kind of stuff that can negate all that. But, again, you know, I think if you really go back over the last 10 years of Nick Saban's career as the head coach at Alabama, what you saw Saturday night, you've seen played out over and over again, you know, whether Greg McElroy was the quarterback, whether A.J. McCarron was the quarterback, um, you know, whether uh, Blake Sims was the quarterback. Um you know, that they recognize that, you know, if we don't go out there and beat ourselves, we're going to win this football game. And at the end of the day, you know, whether the quarterback throws for 98 yards or 398 yards, the goal is to win the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, Jalen was efficient, uh, 10 of 18, 96 yards. Got to up the production there, but I believe he will. Uh, and, again, I thought leadership, he did a very nice job. Uh, I thought that, you know, he managed the game well. Uh, and then defensively, you, speak, you you talked about winning the game. Uh, they, you know, they lost so much talent. You know, uh, they lost seven guys to the NFL. Uh, but they've done an outstanding job of filling the holes. Now, of course, they've got the injuries. But I thought just with from what we saw in the first game, I would give the performance an A. Uh, you know, they only gave up the one drive and really put the screws to them in the second uh, half. Uh, they really confused uh, DeAndre Francois, they continued to hit him. Uh, they got to him for three sacks, including, uh, you know, the one with Ronnie Harrison that knocked him out for the year. Uh, but still, I thought overall, uh, when uh, with Levi Wallace coming in for digs, he performed at a very high level, as we've already talked about. You, you talked about Raekwon Davis's sack. And, and I think they're just going to get better. I think right now, as we, we talked about uh, what we saw in spring practice, certainly they're going to have to, uh, you know, uh, to account for the injuries. But I still think they have enough talent right now. They just need to stay healthy. But this defense is looking like it. there is not going to be any drop-off from what we've seen the last two years. No, I, you know, especially against the run. And I think that's that's the most important thing. You know, if somebody can't run on you, it really puts an offense behind the eight ball. And, you know, We've seen, you know, the, the counter-argument to what I'm fixing to say is the game has changed since then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you look at that seven-game stretch that, that, that Greg McElroy had in 2009 where he was less than a 60% passer. You know, you look at A.J. McCarron's two games in 2011, you know, the first LSU game, second LSU game, where he generated zero touchdowns through the air in one interception. Um, you know, there, there were games, there was a stretch, uh, you know, I think you'll remember this, Drew, um, since you had so much uh, Blake Barnett love flowing <laughs> through your radio show and, and Twitter feed. You know, there was a stretch in 2015 where Jake Coker, um, you know, was a 50% passer and it was, you know, generating more interceptions versus touchdowns. You know, it happens. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. And, you know, the quarterback gets too much credit and, and, and vice versa, too much criticism, um, you know, based on what happens. You know, playing quarterback is no different than being a place kicker. You know, for a successful field goal to take place, the center has to make a good snap, the holder has to make a good hold, and the kicker has to kick the ball in the right spot. And it's no different with successful pass play. You know, the center has to make a good snap, especially if they're in the shotgun. You know, the quarterback has to make a good read and a good throw, and the receiver has to catch the ball. And, you know, you go back, and, and you know, people always want to look, you know, um, hindsight's twenty twenty, And you go back and you look at, you know, people are looking for demons to blame that Clemson loss on in the national <laughs> championship game. And, and I'll always refer to this. 
you know, the fact that Alabama got to that national championship game, you know, through the SEC schedule there at the end, the top the two, you know, college the, the SEC championship game, the playoff game, and then against Clemson, to even get to where they were with the third team right guard manning that position, they should have never gotten to where they were. Um, so, you know, what I saw Saturday night, um, it, it kind of reminded me a lot of, you know, when I was a player um, and Jay Barker was the quarterback. You know, let, let's don't kid ourselves. You know, and, and you'll never hear me say a bad word about Jay Barker as a player. Great competitor, great leader, tough as nails. Um, but he was the starter for two years, or well, two and a half years when you factor in, you know, him taking over, um, you know, against Tennessee in 91 after Danny Woodson, you know, tore his hamstring. Um, what you saw Saturday night from Jalen Hurts is really no different than what you saw, you know, from Jay Barker for two and a half years prior to uh, Homer Smith coming in in 1994 and making him an, an efficient passer. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I saw, um, that I think Jalen needs to work on. Um, you know, he, he, he alleviated a lot of the criticisms of he can't throw the deep ball. Well, the pastor Ridley says different. Um, he can't throw the intermediate 15 to 20 yard routes. Well, even though it didn't count, you know, that dart that he threw to Judy prior to Lester Cotton getting called for holding, that says otherwise. Um, I think the number one thing that Nick Saban and Brian Dayball needs to work on with him with, and I've got zero problems with him taking off and running when the pass protection breaks down as many times as it did against Florida State. But what he needs to work on is focusing his eyes downfield. And sometimes – um, you know, there's guys breaking open. There, there was a sequence down there on the goal line. I think it was after the uh, um, the punt block where Cam Sims came open very late, um, you know, coming underneath into the end zone. It was a gimme touchdown if he had seen it. But, you know, he had less than two seconds to make that decision and make that throw. Uh, but I think the number one thing after watching – spring practice and the Florida State game, the one thing that I think they need to, you know, work on Jalen Hurts' development with is, you know, if the pocket does break down and you have to move and and throw on the run, you know, keep your eyes downfield because there's going to be guys that come over. There is. And then how concerning uh, was it for you uh, with the kicking game? I mean, Papanastos, I thought some people kind of overreacted to the two kicks he missed. He did make three out of five. Uh, you know, if he had uh, had a worse night, uh, if he had had a, say, uh, remember 2011 LSU, we've talked about that, uh, where it was an abject disaster with Jeremy Shelley, uh, you know, when he got when they got the kicks blocked. I thought overall I would have to give the special teams a B-plus because you block a punt, which sets up a score, uh, then you get you get the fumble on the kickoff return, uh, and, and then uh, you block the field goal at the end of the half. Uh, Papanastos, three out of five. We didn't see any explosive plays out of the return game, but I still think uh, Henry Ruggs later on in the year could provide some of that spark and perhaps even get a shot at punt returns. Just your thoughts uh, on the special teams and what, what you thought uh, and what you would kind of grade them. You know, Drew, I'll be honest with you. I'd have to give them an A minus because of the, the things that you just discussed. I mean, um, you know, that they created turnovers, they created explosive plays. Um, you know, there was an uncharacteristic shank by J.K. Scott. You're never going to hear me criticize J.K. Scott. But I think from, you know, I think Coach Saban put it in perspective. You know, from 40 yards in, I think, you know, Papanostas has a chance to be a very consistent field goal kicker. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, certainly that was not an issue against Florida State. I mean, you know, if you want to get upset about the way the game turned out, um, you know, it could have been, what, 30 to 7 instead of 24 to 7 had he made those other two field goals. But, you know, it's, it's his first time to kick field goals. 
and you know, it was against the third ranked team in prime time in the you know the the college football classic opener. Um, yeah, I didn't have a problem with it, and I don't think it's a an issue. I think Coach Saban, you know, from what he said, um, you know, he's seen that young man um, make a lot of field goals from 40 or 35 yards in. You know, he, he even said, um, you know, the guy can be more consistent than he was against FSU, and I expect to see that going forward. And uh, Alabama – will be very good if that's the case. And, William, to wrap it up on this BAMS radio, our first edition uh, following the FSU game, what are you expecting to see out of this team against Fresno State uh, in the, uh, as far as what they need to clean up and, uh, and, get how they, and how you think they'll improve? Well, you know, Drew, that's all going to be dictated on, uh, you know, how, how much points the offense can generate. Um, you know, if they're, you know, if they go into the locker room at halftime, um, you know, up 35 to nothing, um, then, you know, all the, the backups are going to come in. What I'd like to see is, you know, in the first half, um, I would like to see, uh, you know, Tua Tagliavoa, um, you know, get some meaningful reps with the first team offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd like to see, um, you know, the, the running backs, you know, and I still think it might be one game too early um, based on how he's practiced to see Josh Jacobs. Uh, but I, I would like to see that creativity that I was expecting out of Brian Dayball, um, you know, distributing the ball to the tight ends, um, you know, the running backs out of the backfield. I think that's where um, he could probably contribute to this 2017 team more than anything. It is getting those running backs and those tight ends more involved in the passing game. Um, but, you know, this is a game where I think they've got a chance to build depth, um, showcase some of the, the younger players, both on defense and offense. You know, um, I expect to see Jedrick Wills get a look at, at right tackle. Um me personally, I'd like to see um, one or two younger uh, interior players on the offensive line get a look at left guard and right guard. Because um, I felt like after watching the game three times, you know, that's where the issues were. Um, watching the game live, I kind of thought the issue was Matt Womack. But after watching it two or three times, the issues were more with, with Ross Pierce Baker and, and Lester Cotton. Um, so I'd like to see some, some looks there. Um, but you know, again, it's, it's, it's the best program in college football. Um, you know, we all sound like idiots on this podcast, you know, critiquing and complaining and, and, you know, talking about the inadequacies when we should all really be celebrating the fact that, um, you know, this is really, you know, look, when, when Nick Saban scheduled the Michigan game in 2012, um, in name only, that was a great matchup. Reality was they were coming off of the Rich Rodriguez fiasco, and that wasn't really a very uh, talented uh, or proven commodity Michigan team. They were a four or five loss program. The same thing with, with Wisconsin. Uh, the same thing with USC. Uh, this, this matchup with Florida State that you saw Saturday, when that game was scheduled, uh, that's when they were coming off the uh, the playoff loss to Oregon, one year removed from them being the national champion. So, you know, you look at this stuff and it says, well, hey, man, this was, you know, a great matchup, whatever. Um, outside of that Florida State game Saturday, all those other games against Michigan and Wisconsin, um, those games were over with in the third quarter. So, what I'd like to see is, you know, go out there, execute the offense. Uh, we'll get to see what Jeremy Pruitt's response is to losing all the uh, the linebackers that he's lost, two of them for the season, uh, two more for probably the month of September. And we're going to get to see what his response is to that. Um, you know, and my hope is, you know, that it's 28 to 31 to nothing or seven or three. And in the second half, you get to see the next wave of Alabama talent go out there and show their stuff in their first-time game at Bryant-Denny Stadium. 
Yeah, that's what I think everyone's hoping to see Tua Tunga Bailoa get his first reps and to see a lot of this 2017 recruiting class, a lot of these skill guys, the Jerry Judys, the uh, the Devonta Smiths, uh, and uh, and uh, Henry Ruggs get a chance on offense, and then all the young players like the Chris Allens and the Dylan Moses, uh, Fedarian Mathis, LeBron Ray, see some of these young guys get a chance to play. I think everyone's looking forward to it. Well, William, we always appreciate the time. We love the fact that BAMS Radio is back. We and uh, we, we hope our listeners have been, will enjoy this. Uh, it will be released uh, later tonight or tomorrow. But we look forward uh, to being with you every week uh, and uh, bringing you our take on Alabama football uh, as they try to chase national championship number 17. William, have a great night, and uh, we'll all talk to you later. Roll Tide, and we look forward to speaking with you after the Fresno State uh, hopefully a big win for Alabama and Bryant-Denny Stadium for the home opener on Saturday afternoon at 2.30. Hey, one last thing, Drew, before we get going. Yep. Um, and I have to I have to say this because I've been a, a big detractor of it. But one thing that I saw, and you and I talked about this a lot over the summer, um, and one thing that I really noticed um, as I rewatched the game for the second and third time, uh, and one guy that I think you have to pay attention to. Uh, I was very impressed with the blocking of a tight end by the name of Hell Hinches versus mm. the run. Was very, very violent, very explosive, and did a damn good job. Yeah, and a great block by Irv Smith on that touchdown run for uh, Damian Harris as well. Yep, yep, yep. Well, thank you, William, man. We always appreciate it. Hey, talk to you guys next week.